It's Christmas that dawns on you, and you only really believe in Christmas when you really live it, when you light a dark world and the unexpected places with a brave flame of joy, when you warm the cold, hopeless places with the daring joy that God is with us, God is for us, God is in us, when you are a wick to light hope in the dark, then you believe in Christmas. When you really believe in Christmas, you believe there is really hope for everyone. When you get Christmas, people get hope from you. They don't lose it. Unless you keep passing on the miracle of hope, you live like Christmas is a myth. So, light the Advent candles. Light them, light them. And you can see it with every lit candle, sparks of the dawning, hope catching on everything. So today we relight the candles of hope, peace, love, and today's candle is a pink candle of joy. Late on a sleepy, star-spangled night, those angels peeled back the sky, just like you would tear open a sparkling Christmas present. Then with light and joy pouring out of heaven, like water through a broken dam, they began to shout and sing the message that the baby Jesus had been born. The world had a savior. The angels called it good news, and it was. So today we have the pink candle. Pink, if you're wondering why the one joy candle is different from the others, pink is the liturgical color for joy. And today marks the shift of a preparing to the coming. Today's candle is also known as the shepherd's candle. And so on this last Sunday before Christmas, when the coming of Christmas is so near, and yes, there are very few shopping days left, when the preparations are underway, we pause and we reflect on the message that the angels brought to the shepherds. Luke 2, from verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Understatement of the century, I think. <laughs> but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, shepherds said to one another, 
Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come in the name of Jesus, your son, who you brought to this earth in human form to live among us. And we thank you that, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, today your word is as alive to us as it was when you spoke it at the beginning of time. Lord, we pray today as we receive your words that we would let them soak in and that we would receive that joy that you promise us. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine the anticipation of waiting for something like children do at this time of year. It's how many sleeps till Christmas? Seven. <gasps> Seven sleeps till Christmas. But imagine waiting for generations upon generations for something that was promised and foretold in the prophecies of old. Imagine waiting and waiting, and then suddenly, <gasps> there it is. And guess what? It's there the very same time that you're alive. It's there, and not only is it at the same time you're alive, it's the same place where you are, and you have a first-hand message from heaven to say, go, and you set off running. When you discover it, you can't believe it, finally. You're the ones chosen to see the gift everyone has been waiting for. And you see it first, and you might even get to hold it. And now I'm not talking about the World Cup, and I'm not even talking about the Grey Cup, or your long-awaited Amazon delivery, but what the shepherds encountered that day was the Christ child that had been waited for for generations upon generations upon generations. And there it was. The excitement of encountering Jesus. I can't imagine how those shepherds must have felt, but it talks about joy, that they were filled with joy. I know when you talk to someone who's encountered Jesus for the first time, maybe someone who you know who has lived a life that hasn't been particularly of faith, and they've encountered, really, really encountered Jesus, there's that sense of that joy in their life. And it bubbles up and flows out of them, and it's an infectious kind of joy. But the shepherds, they heard that message firsthand from heaven, an angel, and then a host of angels accompanying them, declaring, this is the time. What has been promised is here. Go, go and see for yourself. And then when we read through the Bible, Jesus grows. And I often wonder, what would those shepherds have thought as Jesus was growing up as a man, as he was 
entering into his time of ministry when he was gathering his disciples. I wonder if the shepherds must have thought, we were there at the beginning. We were there when he was first born. The angels told us personally that he was coming. And I wonder when they heard of the miracles that he performed and the people that he loved on and how he saved and that he was there on behalf of the Father to bring heaven to earth. I wonder what they must have thought all those years. We were there at the beginning. I wonder if that joy that they felt remained with them. I'm sure over the years, the memory and the encounters that they would have had with people who had encountered Jesus for themselves would have brought back that memory. Maybe you can remember a time when you had joy. Maybe you're today, like John mentioned earlier, feeling like that's the furthest thing away from your thoughts right now. Maybe you've really had a a tough struggle of late. And maybe the thought of joy is a distant, distant memory. Well, I'm here today to tell you the good news that Jesus is here that we can have that encounter with him that those shepherds did all those years ago, that long-awaited encounter with Jesus, as real, as relevant today as he was all those years ago in Bethlehem. You see, as Jesus grew and gathered and taught people, he taught them the words of the Father. He taught them what they would need to continuum with their life, not just as a one-time encounter, but that would stay with them, that would remain with them for all of their lives, the Word of God. And that's what we do when we read the Bible. That's what we do when we come here and gather together as his people. We let the words of Jesus soak into our, our souls, and they stay with us and continue as we grow in our faith. But many, many, many people encountered Jesus when he was in flesh and blood here. And he showed true love, the love of God, to all who would listen and come to him. When he talked with his disciples in John 15, verse 11, he said, The Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I'll say that again. I've told you this so that my joy, this is Jesus saying, that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow, what a message. You see, this scripture verse that I've just read, that comes right after Jesus has talked to them about him being the vine and him being the branches. And this whole passage in the Bible is all about abiding in him. That means not just encountering him one time like the shepherds did, not just seeing from afar, watching other people, hearing other people's accounts, of what Jesus done in their lives. Not just meeting him once and then continuing about your life, 
but abiding in him. That means being in him. That means taking our sustenance and our life from him. You see, abiding in him causes us to be like him. And we've been talking over this last season about Imago Dei, the image of God that we bear. And what this scripture that I've just read teaches us is that joy, real joy, godly joy, has nothing to do with external circumstances. It hasn't anything to do with the pursuit of happiness or whether everything in your life right now is lined up to make this joy thing happen. I'll make myself happy by accumulating things or with relationships or with shopping or waiting for that Amazon delivery or if the World Cup goes to whichever team is playing right now. Was the game finished? Not quite. You see, if we wait for external circumstances to line up to make us feel this joy, the godly joy that it's talking about here, we'll be waiting forever. So maybe we have it upside down and the wrong way around. Maybe this joy isn't so much about circumstances, but more about the well of living water that flows directly from Jesus through us. You see, if we're the branches and he's the tree, then what naturally flows from the ground into the tree also flows into the branches and then out of us into the world. Joy in abundance. You see, giving of more of ourselves of him, worshipping him, highlighting how incredible he is, is what allows that life to flow through us. Inviting the Holy Spirit to work in and through us means that we produce fruit. And when we're young, if we grow up in church, we hear about the fruit of the Spirit, and there are lots of songs and anecdotes as children that we often learn. And many of you who have grown up in church probably can think right now of some of the songs or phrases that you might have learned about fruit of the Spirit. And that's basically the product of living a life where the Holy Spirit is working through us. You see, we produce that fruit of the Spirit when we're in him. This is what Galatians 5 talks about from verse 21 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, what goes in comes out. If the word of God goes in, if the Holy Spirit is in us, truly in us and working through us, then that's what will come out as the fruit and all of those wonderful things we've just talked about. We soak up what we spend time in. If we're soaking up gossip, social media, posts, magazines, worry, overwork, then what's going to come out? The difficulties of the flesh. But spending time with Jesus makes sure that the good stuff comes out. And then it's shared with others. 
Spurgeon said this many years ago, and it's as relevant today as ever it was. Believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Not from where they are, but from whose they are. Not from what they enjoy, but from that which was suffered for them by their Lord. You see, that joy isn't achieved by working for it. It's not something we can attain, but it's birthed through us by abiding in him. You see, Jesus did it all for us. When he came and was born here and he lived among us, his purpose wasn't to stay here forever in his physical form and continue to do lots of miracles, but his purpose was to bring us freedom. And to do that, he had to die for us and take all of the stuff that are burdened on our shoulder to buy freedom for us. His suffering brought us freedom, and that freedom brings joy. You see, a tree that's planted in the right soil will naturally produce fruit. When we moved into our house that we now live in, we bought a house um, which was a stake in the ground for us to be here, to actually have a house that we own. And when we moved in, it was last April, and the front yard, the backyard, were fairly covered in snow, and the flower beds were kind of just dirt, and a few shriveled up hard clumps of something. <laughs> we didn't know what was going to grow, and it was so exciting watching what was going to come up in our yard, in the flower beds, to see, oh, I wonder what that is. Oh, that's got a really pretty leaf. I need to Google that and find out what it is. A lot of plants here are different from the plants that I'm used to in England. And I had friends that I asked, can you come and have a look and tell me what's in my yard and I have no idea. And then we had this tree in the front, a crab apple tree. And it produced an abundance of fruit the amount of apples that came from it, some of which became apple juice, some of which got relocated to friends' homes to make other things. But the one thing I didn't have to do was make it produce anything. I didn't have to worry, was it going to be a fruitful tree? It just was. And the crazy thing for me was that it can withstand Zero, minus 10, minus 20, minus 30, and it can still not just be alive, but it can produce fruit. Because that's the design that was put in it. That's how it was created. That's its nature. The nature that God had set in place when he created it. How incredible. And when I think the life that flows through that tree and when I think about what Jesus said to his disciples about him being the vine and us being the branches, it almost comes alive. And it helps me realize that the fruit that we produce isn't just the fruit of the branch, it's the fruit of the tree. So when we're thinking about 
the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it's not fruit that's coming from our good works of all the good things that we do. It's not our fruit. It's the fruit that comes directly from who we're connected to. The fruit that comes directly from those incredible attributes that Jesus is, that naturally is produced. And the great thing is that that fruit of the Spirit is a natural antidote to the struggles of the flesh. And you know, this post-COVID reality that we're all living in right now is an interesting one, as we all know. And we've spent the last three or so years in a mixture of situations between hunkering down, waiting to be able to go out again, from doing everything online to now being able to do things in person, from struggling with things internally, then declaring our problems to the entire world. It's been an interesting season, and we need the fresh air that godly joy brings by abiding in him. We need the fresh air that it brings. I've been going through my Advent devotional, which I read from earlier, by Anne Voskamp, and it's um, just a reminder at this time of year, and many of us do have Advent devotionals, and not everybody does, but that's why we light the candles on Sundays, just to bring some kind of um, repetition of bringing Scripture alive at this time of year, that time of, I'm going to just pause a moment and think. And every morning at home, when I get up and I'm making coffee for John and myself, I always light my Advent candle. And I quote a scripture that I memorized a little while ago when I was going through a tough time. And that's John 1, verse 1 to 3. And I haven't, 1 to 5, sorry, I haven't put it up on the screen because I hadn't intended to maybe talk about this quite so much. But I really feel like we sometimes need the repetition of going to Scripture regularly. And we can sometimes think that liturgical things are a bit traditional and do we still need that anymore? But my goodness, memorizing scripture and just repetitively reciting it, it gets it really in you. And so when I learned that scripture a while ago, and it was this, it's in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. And by him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. The reason why I get weepy when I recite that it's not just because it reminds me of a difficult time when I had to learn that scripture, but because I cling on to it in those days when I get weepy today. Those days when joy seems far away from me, like many of us. Because I know that if I can hang on to the truth of the word of God, that never changes through the millennia, let alone through one or two years. If I can hang on to that truth that the light of God shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, then I know that there is hope for each and every one of us and those to come after 
because Ambrose Camp in her devotional says laughter is God's gift oxygenated grace I love that oxygenated grace excuse me (laughs) all fear is but the notion that God's love ends and his love for you never will so loosen up because the chains have been loosed and laugh I love that (laughs) it's okay to laugh in fact it's necessary we need it God created us with the need to laugh the need to experience joy not just because it's good and it's nice and it feels good but it's necessary for our health you see laughter's like medicine if you think about it from a scientific point of view from a biological point of view it actually boosts our immunity it helps our bodies to be strengthened it's good for us for our health and as you've seen we've sown many tears lately <laughs> my tears mostly tend to be shed in the car when I'm by myself and I can shout at God <laughs> about all the things that aren't fair and then I'm reminded of Psalm 126 verse 5 may those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy those who go out weeping bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy carrying their sheaves you see God takes our tears as little seeds and those seeds are planted not one tear is wasted and those seeds are planted and the harvest that comes back from them is joy joy to overflowing and not earthly joy that we get from experiences but the life-giving nourishing heavenly joy that flows through us so on your weepy days which we all will have bring your tears to Jesus sow them into him allow him to work with them and replace them for joy and you might not feel that joy straight away but it'll come it will come Karl Barth who was a Swiss theologian back in the 1800s said joy is the simplest form of gratitude it's that thanking of Jesus so when I am in my car weeping (laughs) and shouting at heaven I can't help but be filled with gratitude that God walks us through those seasons that God's collecting our tears that he's never far from us that he's not watching from afar oh poor children crying he's not even patting us on the head from a distance but he's enveloping us with his love he's walking so closely with us through these seasons so we need to give him our tears and allow him to replace them for joy I'm going to invite the worship team to come back to the stage as we just come to a close and I want to remind us that it's actually okay and right for us to have tears and for me those tears can sometimes be happy tears (laughs) and sometimes they can be tears of pain but you know the tears nonetheless 
And like I said, God can use them. And in those moments when we feel like we're at the depths of despair and nothing can shift us from that feeling that we get inside, that's when God's even closer to us than we realize. I'd like us to pray right now. If you'd like to all bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for your incredible love towards us. I thank you that you created us with all of these different emotions that you want us to experience and that you're in us and with us through them all. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you see every tear. You hear every thought. And you love us so intimately. Lord, thank you for those people that you've put in our paths throughout our lives who have been that shining light that shines in the darkness that the darkness can't overcome. And Lord, we pray for those people right now who are sensing nothing but darkness. Lord, that your joy, your light will shine in that darkness. That you'll provide a way for them to see it and experience it that they'll be ignited with not just a flickering candle, but with a fire of passion for you. But I pray for our young people in this world right now who have got so much distraction and so much coming against them, so much to wade through. And Lord, you ask us, who will pray for them? Lord, we will. Would you flow through us with that light that you shine, a light that's there for all mankind? And Lord, would you allow it to shine so brightly that it will dispel the darkness? The true light of Jesus who has come for us. We give you all the glory that is due your name. In Jesus' name, amen.